Amen. Praise God. Well, how many are glad you made it tonight? Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm glad you're here. Amen. Look at somebody next to you and say, God is going to touch you tonight. Amen. Praise God. I'm excited to be in God's house on a Tuesday night. God is going to move. He's been moving in our altars. Amen. He's been moving at the time of altar calls and God's been speaking. And I'm excited about the next two nights. I know that uh, how it is when you're in a revival, uh, you, you come prepared and then you get there and then God changes things and speaks to you different things. So I know he, last night Pastor Patterson said he was going to preach about finances, but I also know that could change, so I don't know if he is or not. But if he is, um, I know that God has something powerful for us regardless. But I want to say that I uh, admire Pastor Patterson and his, his financial uh, life. He's, he's blessed. He runs a good business. Um, he's very generous. And uh, I've learned a lot from him over the years. And I, I want to get what he's got. How many have seen someone like that and you say, I want to get what they have? Amen. He has an anointing on that. And uh, I, want, I want him to uh, be free tonight. But like I said, who knows, by the time he get up here, God might have changed his message. Whatever he's going to bring is for us tonight. How many are ready to receive from what God has for us tonight. Amen. Let's give Pastor Patterson another warm welcome tonight on this Tuesday night. Get your Bibles ready, your notebooks ready, and let's get in the Word. No, almost. Praise God. Amen. Well, the truth is, I almost thought about preaching something else tonight, but I know the Lord really wanted to speak to us. There's a timing and there's a, when I've learned one thing about preaching a revival, it's, it's not about me, it's about you. And um, an evangelist has a unique, um, uh, it's just kind of unique what an evangelist can do. I don't know you. So you can't, you can't say, well, he's preaching that because he knows what's going on in my life. And one of the things we don't do is, uh, as pastors is when we have an evangelist come in, we don't sit down and say, hey, now, I got this going on and I've got that going on. And we, don't, we make a point not to say things. We make it a, a, it's an issue for us to never say, I want you to preach on this. I want you to preach on that. Because then we begin to play uh, that position of God. And uh, I try not to ask um, uh, you know, before I come, hey, I'm thinking about preaching about this. What do you, you know, I don't ask. I just, we just begin to trust the Lord. Amen. How many know that God knows what we need? Amen. And so um, one of the great needs, and, and, and we talked about maturing and growing as a church. Every church, every one of us need to be challenged to grow. Amen. How many want to do more this year and accomplish more this year as a person as a Christian and also as a church more than you did last year amen okay now we got to take that serious amen because the, the, the one of the, one of the issues of human nature is we we tend to settle for we tend to settle in we tend to say hey this is what we're doing and and we kind of get comfortable and and also our faith and our vision kind of just stay right where it's at and God's always wanting to enlarge enlarge in fact we got a word of prophecy last year that God was going to enlarge us and I began to pray about that I said God okay you know the first thing that comes to your mind is enlarge the numbers of people in the church that's right that's what we want, you know, and for whatever reason, and we, we kind of have that mentality, the more people means you got revival. That's not always true, amen, but enlarging is much more. Before God can ever enlarge your numbers, he needs to enlarge you. He needs to enlarge your vision. He needs to enlarge your faith. He'll need to enlarge your gifting. He begins to enlarge your leadership. He begins to enlarge all of these different things you're giving even. Amen. And, and so uh, I remember one time the Lord was uh, dealing with me about children's ministry. We'd been, we'd been pastoring for a little bit, uh, and uh, we had, you know, maybe three or four kids in the church, uh, maybe, maybe six, I don't know how many we had, but it weren't a whole lot. There were some times, uh, uh, you know, we didn't even have to uh, do children's church. You know, a couple of, two or three families don't show up. All the kids didn't show up, so we didn't have to. And um, uh, the Lord began to deal with me about um, 
uh, 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 looking into children's ministry and curriculum and getting a vision for children's ministry. And so I began to look into it a little bit and uh, God began to say, I want you to, to begin to train and prepare for uh, children's ministry. And I said, well, God, there's, there's really no kids here. And I begin to pray. I know what uh, God wants me to do. He wants me to pray the church will grow and that we'll begin to have 20, 30 kids. And God said, no. I won't give you 20 or 30 kids until you're ready for 20 or 30. Amen. Today, amen, I, the Lord had me do this thing where, you know, we're, we're believing God to grow and, and uh, uh, we're wanting to, to you know, we, we want to get to that 300 mark, amen, right now. We're very similar to this congregation right here. And uh, uh, God, one time he dealt with me, he said, I, you know what, you want to be 300? You want to see the church grow to 300 and larger than 300? Why don't you write a blueprint of what a church of 300 would look like? How, approximately how many children you would have in nursery? Approximately how many children would you have in your children's church? How many teenagers would you have? And then once I figured that out, I go, my goodness gracious, we'd have like maybe 60 kids in nursery. I mean, no, there's never enough nursery workers. And he said, if you don't start training up nursery workers to handle those many kids, amen, you're not going to get those families. And if you don't start to preparing the leadership for a church to be 300, God says, I can't just put them on you. Too many times what happens in Christianity is for whatever reason, we may get an influx of people, but we don't have the, the, the foundation of leadership and workers and laborers in the church to actually uh, accommodate that. And so what happens is people begin to filter back out. And so what we need to learn how to do is be enlarged. God wants to enlarge us, amen. So that's been the challenge this week, amen. How can we be enlarged? The end times are upon us, amen. We know we don't have a long time. We can't keep playing games. We've got to get serious. If I was to ask you right now, what's your vision for this year? What do you believe in God for this year? I, I, you know, it's amazing. Most people wouldn't know. How much are you planning on giving above your tithe this year? Well, whatever the Lord puts in my heart to do. Well, the Lord tells you, amen, to set aside and to plan. Amen. See, too many times what we do, and I've been there, I know, because I've been there where you just tend to kind of go with the flow, whatever you feel. That's dangerous because the devil knows how to mess with your feelings. He knows how to mess with your emotions. He knows how to, he knows how to damper your faith. And so you, we have to be a people of purpose. Amen. That's what a Christian is. You want, to, you want the church to grow to 300? We've got to be a people of purpose. We've got to have a purpose and a plan. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says there are many plans in the heart of a man, but it's the Lord that directs his steps. And so I plan, I begin to prayerfully plan. I've learned not just a plan on my own, but I get my planning from the Lord. I'll go into prayer and say, God, direct my steps. Show me things, Lord God. Give me vision. Enlarge my vision. Enlarge my vision. And then I give myself to the things that God enlarges. But I want to talk tonight about the challenge of the Lord in our finances, how to be givers, amen. And so there, uh, there, there are things about giving that I think most Christians don't really get. They, they don't get real breakthroughs. I know uh, uh, all of us have been raised differently. But as an American, I know one thing, doesn't matter how you were raised, there's one thing every American knows how to do, spend money. <laughs> Taxes are getting ready to come back in, aren't they? Some of you maybe filed early. If you knew, man, I can get that money. I'm going to file early. They're going to direct deposit. They're going to send me a little card, blah, 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 whatever. And you know what most Americans do with their tax returns? Big screen TV, car, this, that shopping, man, everybody, amen, knows the uh, economy goes up, retails, stores uh, uh, do really well during tax season. And uh, have you ever thought maybe you could use some of that money to start a business, to invest in something, to give above and beyond you've given before, amen? So uh, I know this is that they, they, I remember reading this one time. They said that if they took all of the money in the world, every penny, and divided it equally among every person on the, on the planet. Everyone would have an equal amount. They said within six months, the poor would be poor again and the rich would be rich again. You know why? Because poor people know how to spend. Rich people know how to invest 
and create and market and everything else. You see, it's just the way it is. We've got to learn. You know, I didn't learn how to save. Growing up, I didn't know how to save. I, 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 you know, I, all I knew how to do was spend. I remember, man, I, every dollar I got, I spent. Living week to week, paycheck to paycheck. And one of the things is I grew up in poverty. And, uh, you know, in this, this message really is three things. Givers, takers, and receivers. Givers, takers, and receivers. And if I was to look at those three things, I would have been a taker. How many were takers? Amen, come on. Come on, raise your hand if you're a taker. Not proud of it, but that's what we were. We were takers. Amen. Now, some have learned how to be givers. Amen. I was looking, uh, we, we just uh, gave out tax forms, and I was looking through all the uh, uh, tax receipts to see who's been given and stuff like that. I don't follow it, but about uh, three times a year. I don't want to know. Amen. Sometimes I just, I don't want to know what's going on. I don't want to know who's giving and everything like that because then it can affect the way that I preach or teach or direct the people. But about every, about three times a year, I want to take a look, just make sure my leadership team and things like that are being faithful in their tithes and offerings. But I was really amazed. I got a daughter uh, right now. Uh, she's the one that's not married yet. She lived with me, Anna. And uh, I was just amazed how much she gave this last year. And she really didn't even have a job, a full-time job or anything. And I looked at her tithe and giving report, and I mean it was every service, bam, 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 something. And it added up more than some people who are working good jobs. I thought, oh, Lord, thank you, God, that my daughter learned how to be a giver. Amen. I know God's going to bless her. She's going to be blessed. Amen. But I grew up, and because I grew up in poverty, I learned how to be a taker. I remember, and I'm not proud of this, you know, but it's just the way it is in the world. How many know sometimes when you're going through hard times, you don't have a lot, you find ways to get what you need. But we, we, were, we were takers. Uh, we really did. We grew up in poverty. I, back in those days, uh, uh, um, you know, you, um, you didn't have a lot, so you got hand-me-downs. I got hand-me-downs. The problem was my brother was 10 years older than I was. And so, so I look at some of the pictures now. When I was a kid, and I thought, my goodness, those were the ugliest clothes I've ever seen, man. I mean, uh, I, I can't believe they make those styles. You know, they did unbelievable, man. But I remember one time I was walking down the street, and some kid, I was about probably nine years old, some kid yells out, and he goes, hey, you expecting the flood? I'd never heard that before. And I'm seriously, he just, he was walking this way across, and I was on the other side of the street, he goes, hey, you expecting a flood? And I looked at him like, I looked around to see if there was any rain clouds or anything, and I thought, what's that all about? And I got home, and I told my sister, who was three years old, me, I said, some stupid kid told me I was expecting a flood or something. She goes, that's it, because you got high waters on, Alan. I said, what are high waters? She goes, look at your pants, and I'm serious, my high, they were way up here. You know, she goes, that's because uh, they're high. They wouldn't get wet if there was a flood, you know. And, she, and so I thought, well, why am I wearing high water? She goes, and she goes, because we're too poor to buy you new pants. <laughs> then, back in the days, we had food stamps. And so we were on food stamps. And thank God, you know, there's times you need that. But I learned uh, uh, after I got saved not to try not to rely on that, to break free of that. Because I will say this, uh, th there's... Thank God that we can have that help when it's needed. But I want you to know it's a trap. It'll hold you in poverty because it's very difficult to break free of it. I got a brother in my church who's been on uh, uh, housing assistance for, what did he say, 15 years or more. And this year, he got free. I challenged him. I said, brother, I said, you need to get free of that. And, and he told me the other day, he goes, man, we're still fight fear. Fear that what if we don't make enough? They went from paying about $400 a month now to, I think, $1,700 a month. But you know the money's there, and every, every month now it's coming in. It's coming in. It's coming in. It's coming in. Amen. See, there, there's something about you got you to gotta have some purpose. But I was a taker, and I remember I went to, to my mom sent me to the store to buy some groceries or some cereal at 7-Eleven. She gave me the little coupon book. You act those. She had food stamp books, and, and uh, one of my friends uh, went with me, and I was paying with food stamps, and he goes, uh, uh, when we were done, he goes, you, you know, Alan, he goes, you're poor, aren't you? 
And I thought, well, what do you mean I'm poor? I'm not, I don't, I'm not poor. He goes, yeah, you buy food with food stamps. And, you know, once again, I'm about 9, 10 years old. And I go, well, everybody buys food with food stamps. That's what food stamps are. Food stamps. I'm trying to tell them, you know, food stamps. You buy food with food stamps. You don't, you buy other stuff with money. He goes, no, only, he said, only poor people buy stuff with food stamps. And I, and I started figuring out, well, you know, I got high waters. I'm buying things with food stamps, you know. I thought maybe I was in pretty bad shape. But I grew up not only in poverty, I grew up in a state that is bound by poverty, New Mexico, Roswell, New Mexico. They, they stay per capita, it is the highest poverty rate in the United States. And people even who had good jobs complained all the time. They were complainers. I remember they were, my brother and my sister, they were working for the, uh, a bus plant and they were, they, they were one of the best paid in town. And they were a union. They had all the benefits and they complained all the time. All the time complaining and, and bickering and talking down the company. Pretty soon that company left town because they were tired of it. All those people lost those jobs. There's something about a poverty mentality and a poverty spirit. It's a complaining spirit. All the time. When somebody gets a, a something nice, they complain. Well, look at them. Oh, yeah, look at them, look at them. I learned something when God began to break this spirit in me. One of the things that I learned was when somebody gets blessed, rejoice for them, amen? Praise God, man, they got something good. Praise God, they got, they got a breakthrough. Praise God, amen, they got something, amen? Instead of complaining and looking down. But if anyone knows what I'm talking about, it's not easy when you grow up in that. And I remember I got saved, and when I first got saved, I did learn to start tithing. Right from the get-go, I began to learn how to tithe, and God gave me my first job. I remember I went to the, uh, I, I, when I got saved, I was 16 years old. I didn't have a job, and um, I was praying for a job. And so the first job that came open, a guy told me, he goes, hey, over here at this Chinese restaurant, they need a busboy. The guy just put in his two weeks notice. And if you go right now, they'll hire you in two weeks. And so I went right down there and the, the guy said, yeah, we need a busboy in two weeks. And he said, uh, uh, we'll give you the job. And it paid, uh, I can't remember what it paid back then. And he said, uh, it, it'll give you about 30 hours a week. I said, well, what, what, what do I have to wait? Well, you got, you got to work half a day Sunday. You got to work uh, 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 Mondays, all evenings, you know, so it's Wednesday night and then some Saturdays. Well, we had church twice on Sunday. We had church on Wednesday and we had uh, a, a concert on Saturday. So I was going to miss three services a week with this job. And, uh, and I knew right away, if I start missing that much church, I'm going to go right back to drinking and partying. I hadn't been saved for more than a month. And so I thought, man, I don't think I need this job, but I need a job. So I said, I, all I knew is just to get this in the Lord's hand. And then the next day, one of the guys in the church, uh, he said, Alan, he goes, I work for this air conditioning heating company. And uh, he says, why don't you come and apply there? I said, what's that? You know, I never, I didn't know what air conditioning, heating, and plumbing was. I didn't, I didn't, I've never done any of it. He said, oh, man, they'll teach you. You know, you can be a helper. And so I went down there, and, and I thought, oh, good, they need a job. You know, they need somebody. So I said, hey, I'm here to apply for the job. They go, we don't have any openings. I said, well, can I apply? They said, yeah. And, you know, my, my resume wasn't very big at 16. I worked for the pizza place, you know, Paisano's Pizza. I worked on my uncle's farm. That's it. Amen. And so... I said, I've got two weeks before I, uh, I get this other job. So I said, Lord, this job at the plumbing place only works me 20 hours a week, and it's going to be a dollar less an hour. The restaurant works me 30 hours a week, and I make a dollar more an hour. I'm going to be able to give a bigger tithe, but it's going to keep me out of church. The plumbing place wouldn't keep me out of church. And I remember I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, you know what job is best for me? I said, Lord, you know what's job is best for me now and for my future. I told God that. I said, God, you open the door that you want me to have. And I, I didn't go back to the restaurant. I was just going to wait for, for the day before the two weeks to go. And so every third day, I went into that plumbing and heating air conditioning place. And I would just walk in after I'd get, I'd, uh, after I'd get out of school. I'd get out of school about 2 o'clock. I'd walk in there and just say, hey, I'm checking up. By about the third time I went in there, the lady was like, uh, we still don't have an opening. I said, that's right, right. I was just checking. My daddy always told me, hey, when you go to look for a job, you don't ask for a job. He said, you always ask for work. Everybody wants a job. Nobody wants to work. And then he says, second of all, you find out who's doing the hiring and you show your face up because then when they are ready to hire, they're gonna, you're going to be the first face they remember. 
So I was just taking my daddy's uh, good old uh, uh, sound wisdom, and, and so I'd go in there, hey, I'm looking for work, working, looking for work. You got any work yet? No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. And then finally the two weeks came, and I'm thinking, God, I guess I'm going to have to take this job with this uh, 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 chewed in, this Chinese restaurant. And I walked in there, and I was kind of bummed because I'd been praying for the other job. And when I walked in, the guy said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have a job for you. And I was kind of happy. Amen. I thought, all right, I didn't want to take it, but I needed a job, you know, and, and I was, you know, too young in the Lord just to say, hey, I'm not taking it. But I went in there, and God closed the door, and I, I, and I, I went back to the, uh, you know, it, to the uh, uh, plumbing heating company, and I thought, right away, they're going to hire me. And I walked in, and the lady told me again, oh, we're not hiring. So I walked out, and I thought, great, now I have no job. And I was kind of bummed, and so I, I kind of was bummed for a couple of days, and then I finally decide I'm going to go back and I'm going to check again, you know, one more time. And I walked in and as soon as I walked in the door, the boss came out of his office. I still can see it just like yesterday. He came out of his office. His name was Charles Reading and he had a certain walk. And I remember he came out and he was always chewing gum. He just, he just came out walking, chewing gum and he saw me right when I walked the door and he said, there you are. I've been looking for you, son. I thought, well, my phone number is right there on that darn, you know, thing, but... <laughs> There you are. I've been looking for you. He goes, you ready to go to work? I said, yes, sir. He goes, can you start tomorrow? I said, you bet I can. Amen. And you know what? Today I have an air conditioning heating company. Because God knew. So I got, I got saved. I got a good job. And I began to tithe. But I want you to know the spirit of poverty is a hard spirit to break. And I had poverty. And I can remember sometimes my pastor would take up a missions offering. And if if I thought giving five bucks was a lot of money. But you know, I could go down to McDonald's and spend five dollars and it didn't even bother me. I could go into, I could go into 7-Eleven and, and, and buy me some, uh, you know, a big gulp and, and some candy bars and a bag of chips and, or go on my break at work and spend five dollars over at the secondhand bakery. And it never bothered me. But when it came to giving to a mission work, I remember they were given for a mission trip to the Philippines. And I remember taking money out of my pocket and $5 thinking, man, I wish I had some ones. Wish I had some ones. All right, well, I'm going to give that five. And I thought it was a big deal. See, that's, that's a mentality. It wasn't that I was an evil intent person. It was something that had gripped my thinking about giving. And see, this is what we need to understand is that we need to be able to uh, look at the way we give. I'm not talking about tithing tonight. This is not a sermon about tithing. This is about giving. Tithing should be what every Christian does. But giving is where you get breakthroughs. Amen. If you're not tithing, you better start right there and start giving 10%. And then, you know, the one thing people always ask me, well, do I give 10% of, 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 you know, before taxes or after taxes? Well, I don't know. I would do it before taxes. Don't give to the government first and to God second. But that's just my viewpoint. Amen. Why? Because how many know God's not a taker? God's a giver. He's a giver. And I want to just finish up a little bit with this testimony. God began to deal with me about giving. He began to deal with me because I would notice that when we'd go out to eat sometimes as a little group of Christians and we'd go and we're going to split the bill, I would think in my head, okay, my part was $5.24 and I would start letting people throw their money in and then I'm like, well, what's, what's left? And I'm hoping it was like four bucks. <laughs> True, I, it's, I'm ashamed of it, but that's how I was. I was like that. I was like, you know, hey, you know, it's supposed to be five, but they only need four. I just made a dollar twenty-five, and I wouldn't even try to give the tip. I'd let someone else tip. That was because that was the spirit. It was a strong hold. It was a it was a way of thinking. Yeah, you know, I, I saw it in my giving. I I don't think I ever truly gave cheerfully. I gave obediently. I was a tither, obedient. I knew. God said, better to give that tithe. Amen. Hey, would you rob God? Would a man rob God? I thought, I ain't going to rob God, huh? Amen. The Bible says no thief will inherit the kingdom of heaven. I'm not robbing God. I'm going to give my tithe. But it was not done cheerfully. It wasn't done joyfully. It wasn't done uh, uh, looking for a blessing. It was done obediently. And so all of these things were going on in my life. 
And I remember, even after I started pastoring, amen, I was 22 years old when I pastored my first church, and I still struggled with finances. Always finances, juggling, juggling, juggling. And I finally got around a guy who was a giver. And I want you to know something. There's different ways to learn how to break this. Number one, I think the best way to learn how to do it is to get in the presence of God, take authority over it and break it. But I was, I was blessed enough to have a, a brother-in-law who was a generous giver. This guy was unbelievable. We'd go out to eat, and I'd like to go out to eat with him because he always took care of the bill. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I thought, man, yeah, let's go out, bro. Let's go, you know. And uh, I remember one time we were uh, on, a, uh, we were, uh, on a, uh, a trip together preaching, and uh, he told me, he said, Alan, I got a word for you, man. He said, you need to beware of money. He said, it can be your downfall. And you know, I didn't get offended by that because I knew. I mean, instantly when he said it, there was something in me. I thought, oh, I guess I'm not hiding this as well as I thought. And I began to pray, God, I want to be a giver. I want to be generous. I want, I want, I want to do, I want, I want breakthrough. I want, I don't, I'm tired of, of struggling. I was, I was tired of struggling and always trying to find the cheapest thing that I could get. Always having to find, listen, there's nothing wrong with getting a great deal. I still look for great deals. I, I look for opportunities. I, I don't like paying full price. But there's a difference when you have a, uh, when I have this poverty mentality, it was, you know, uh, it would be like you'd go shopping and you, you found something and it didn't have a price tag on it. And you thought, well, I don't want to find the real price tag. I'm going to find something really cheap and I'll just, if they just ask me, I'll tell them, I think it's this amount. See, that's why that, so you'd go up and you'd go to pay for it, and they said, well, uh, there's no problem. Do you know how much it was? Well, you know, I think it was $5 because you found the smallest price thing. And I know I'm hitting home with some folks, amen, because I'm not the only one who, is, who have dealt with money because I want you to know something. The Bible tells us that money will reveal our heart. God puts money in our hands and what most people don't know is that Jesus Christ himself taught more on money than he did on heaven, hell, and almost everything else all put together. It was one of the major teachings that he had. He used, when he talked about the end times, he used analogies of money. When he, used, when he talked about heaven and hell, using analogies of money. He used money in many different analogies and, and stories and parables. Money, because he knew where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And there's something about it. And what I want to talk just a little bit about tonight is about how to learn how to be a giver. How to be a giver, amen. Now, why should we want to be a giver? I'm going to tell you why you want to be a giver. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, and to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That's in the New Living Translation. Give and you shall receive. Amen. He says, for it shall be given back unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing will men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you give, it shall be given back unto you. To give, it's a powerful thing to be a giver because I want you to know something. There's givers, takers, and receivers. But a taker never receives. Takers can only take. You see, if you are a taker, you're only going to have what you can, you can get on your own. It's all on you. And there are Christians everywhere because they've been raised that way, because they have these mentalities, because they're controlled by different spirits. Here's some of the spirits that control Christians today and keep them from being real givers. Number one, it's the gift, or I mean the, the spirit, it's the spirit of poverty. A poverty spirit is a mentality, it's a way of thinking. It's little thinking, not big thinking. It's thinking in the small. It's thinking in the sense. It's like, a, it, it's like when I used to go to give a tip, and back in the day, it was you're supposed to give a 15% a, a tip, and, and you look at it, uh, and small thinking was, you know what, the tip is supposed to be $2.25, but $2 is good enough. 25 cents. Woohoo! 
But that's small thinking. And now, you would never think that if you were wanting something on your own. But when it's giving, it always, always shows up when it comes to giving. Taking from you and giving somewhere else. The small thinking always shows up. Now, you've got to learn how to recognize this because if you can't recognize it yourself, you're, there's no hope for you to be free. You got to be able to recognize it. I begin to recognize why am I so stingy? Why am I so stingy, man? Why am I always looking at the little amounts, the little amounts? You know, sometimes I look at my paycheck and and you know I'm thinking, man, did they did they short me a quarter of an hour? I run a business, and there's one thing that really irritates me, and it's when people are I, I know the the poverty mentality and they nickel and dime everything. Otherwise, I pay. Two ways. I pay hourly and I pay what we call piecework. I can tell a guy, listen, you do this job, you get two hundred dollars. It can take you two it could take you four hours or it could take you ten hours. He gets twenty dollars an hour. If it took him ten hours, he'd make two hundred bucks. Well most of these piecework jobs he can get done in four hours. So he's making fifty dollars an hour. But I don't figure it hourly. But there'll be some jobs where I'll send them out and I'll say, This is the job. And then they'll say, well, you pay me piecework to install the air conditioner. I did that. I want piecework, $200. But then I had, a, I had for an hour, I had to clean this furnace. And so I want to charge you $20 an hour for that. So they want piecework and hourly, the best of both worlds. And I'll give it to them. I'll say, go ahead and go put it down there. No problem. But it reveals to me you got poverty. You're a taker. I got to watch out for you. I got to keep my eyes on you. You're a taker. It's all about taking. You wonder why I haven't given you a good raise? Because you're taking your own. We've been at $20 an hour for two and a half years. He takes his own raise. I ain't got to give him one. He's taking it. Now, if he had let me give him a raise, I'd give him 25 already. True story. I'd have given him $25 an hour. He would, a $5 an hour raise I would have given him. But he's taking it his own. So let him have it. You see, there's some, and, and sometimes I think, well, just go ahead and give it to him. And something in me won't let it. You know why? The, the biblical principle is give and it shall be given back. It doesn't say take and you'll get some more. There's something that hinders people from what, sometimes your boss doesn't even know why he's not offering you a raise. You may even be a good worker, but it's in your giving to the kingdom of God. God's saying, he's telling you, boss, no. Don't give him a raise. Don't give him that promotion. Don't help them out. I don't want them to be, um, they're not going to get the breakthrough because they're not, to, how many know God is not mocked whatever you sow you're going to reap. Some of us, amen, we do get the raise. It's so small and we wonder why because the Bible says with the same measure that you give, it's measured back to you. And when you are stingy in your giving, God is stingy in giving back. He'll give back to you, but it's stingy. And I begin to learn these principles. You know why I learned these principles? And I'm still learning. I want you to know I am not learned at all. I am, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, oh, I've got this all down. I am still learning. I still fight these spirits. No longer do I truly fight poverty, but there's other ones. There's a spirit of withholding. This will hinder you. It's a withholding spirit. What a withholding spirit is is this. Praise God, we've got, uh, we've got uh, this uh, special. We're going to uh, raise up uh, some money for this mission work. Oh, you know what? You got uh, you remember? You got this bill that's coming up, and uh, we've got uh, we've got to get those new uh, we got to get the car fixed, and uh, we got to get clothes for the kids, and so the devil starts this withholding spirit starts telling you everything you got to do with your money, and what it's doing is he's giving you good reasons to withhold. That's how a withholding spirit works. The devil doesn't say, ah, no, 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 no. Don't give. Don't give to the Lord. Don't give to the Lord. That, no, don't, don't give. Just don't do it. To, you know, you don't want to do it. No, he is smarter than that. He just says, um, don't forget, you have this, 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 you have this. He'll remind you of every little thing you get. But I guarantee when you go to the store and you see that sale, he ain't saying, now, now, you got this to pay and this to pay. You go, I can't afford not to buy that. My goodness gracious, I am saving 60%. I mean, for crying out, I'm saving. How many, you wouldn't believe how much money I saved today. How much? I saw it right here, Kohl's. I bought it at Kohl's today, and it said I saved $260. I just looked at it and said, no, 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 you, you, you spent 140 
Yeah, I had to spend 140 to save 260. It's amazing, amen, how that works. Oh, don't shut me down now. See, withholding spirit don't start attacking you then. Oh man, that's when we start thinking, I'm blessed. Man, look at me, look what I got. Amen. See, when we're spending money on ourselves, it's always called blessed. <laughs> Do you notice that? You wouldn't believe God blessed me with this car. God blessed me with this. God blessed me. 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 We always call whatever we spend on ourselves blessed, even if you got a payment. I don't know how that one works out, but it's always blessed when we spend it on ourselves. It should be blessed when we give it to someone else. Amen? Learning to be a giver. Givers don't give to themselves. They give to others and God gives to you. Blessed is when God gives to you. But see, there's, I believe truly that there's, this, there's a false understanding about giving and receiving. And we tend to give to ourselves, and we, 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 we give that to God. We say, God, you did this for me. And God's saying, now come on. You did that for yourself. You know, you want God to give to you? God knows how to give to you, amen? He'll give you promotions. He'll give you, he'll give you positions. He'll give you raises. He'll give you new jobs, new creative ways of making money. Yes, he can give you things that will save you. I'm not saying that he doesn't. There's times that I have gotten some blessings. I needed something, and God gave it to me 90% off. I'll take that all day long, amen? But true giving... And receiving starts when we begin to give to others. And this spirit of withholding, you got to identify it. And you'll always know it because when it's offering time, when it's giving time, amen, that spirit wants to withhold. And it'll give you every reason not to give. I'm going to give you an example. Lord put in my heart recently an amount to give. I was in prayer and God said, I want you to give this amount. Well, the first thought that becomes came into my mind, honest to God, first thought that comes to my mind is, Okay, now, you're going to have to take that out of your savings to give that amount. The savings was something that God gave you for a rainy day. Oh, God, you, don't you remember you gave it to me for a rainy day? You, you don't know, but there's some rainy days ahead. I know there's rainy days. I've had plenty of rainy days. God's like, oh, I didn't know there's rainy days ahead. Uh, Go ahead and hold that back. Just keep that. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. <laughs> so you got to learn how to deal with that. The devil said, hey, hey, that's your savings, and that's for a rainy day. Well, if God told me to give it, I guess there's no rainy day ahead. Because he wouldn't tell me to give it, amen, if I was going to need it later. And if I am going to need it later, I guess he has another way of giving it to me. Because one thing I've learned is this, is that when you give, you receive back. And so you got to defeat these spirits. Here's another spirit. It's called the spirit of fear. How many have been fearful in giving? Uh, I'll give you an example. There's some here right now, if we were taking an offering, in fact, I'm going to challenge you about giving in the offering tomorrow. I'm not going to, you know, pull a sneaky one on you. I'm just going to tell you up front. You need to be challenged to give tomorrow. Because there's no... I can preach on giving and receiving and blessing and all that, but I'm going to tell you something. My pastor taught me this a long time ago. In fact, I remember he, he preached this sermon. He told me, he says, Alan, there's only one way to defeat poverty and fear and all of these spirits. He said, there's only, when you want to get rid of poverty in your life, you can only give it away. You can't pray it away. You can pray all day long. You cannot pray poverty away. You give it away. You can pray, God, give me a spirit of giving. Give me, Lord God, a, 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 a joyful heart, a cheerful heart, so that my giving will give me a breakthrough. But you got to give. How many know? I don't care how. If you're a farmer, you can pray until the cows come in. But if you don't plant one seed in the ground, there's nothing going to grow except weeds. You can pray for rain. And guess what that rain will do? It'll just give you more weeds. Only the seed that's planted will come back to you. You've got to learn how to defeat the spirit of fear, withholding spirits, uh, covetous spirits, the spirit of mammon, amen. Now, mammon is a bad one. That's where, man, you love money. 
I got people, I have dealt with people that they love money. They, they love the, 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 what it does for them and the things that they can buy and wear and have and, and drive and live in and everything, the prestige that it gives them. Mammon can get a hold of your heart. There are some today, there are wealthy business owners, I'm telling you, some of the wealthiest people in the world today who are Christians that are downsizing, they are getting, they're cutting all kinds. They could live, they could live in $5 million homes and they're choosing once again to live in $300,000 home instead of $5 million. Cutting, they said, why? Because I want to give 90% of what I have. How many use Colgate? you know, toothpaste and stuff like that. You know, Mr. Colgate, when he got, he was saved, he started his first little uh, soap business and uh, when he made his first dollar, he came home and he said, Mom, I'm gonna give this 10, 10% to the Lord. And she said, well, son, you know, we, we, this was during the Great Depression and stuff. She goes, son, you know, you could use that. And he goes, no. He goes, Mom, if I'm gonna give, I'm gonna, if I tithe on my first dollar, then I'll be able to tithe on my first million dollars. He began to tithe, and after a while, he began to give 20% and lived on 80, then 30, and then 40. By the time of his death, he was given 100% of his income, 100%, and he had, all that he had made before, he could live on. Amen. Amen. Giving. There are, there are, I'm telling you, there's something powerful about giving. Giving, amen. Being a giver, amen. There's something that's wonderful about giving. I was thinking about this, amen. There are so many great scriptures that talk about giving and receiving. Giving you shall receive, it says. And God says, I'll give back to you. How many want God to give to you? That's what I want. I want God to give to me. And I want to give you an acronym for the word give tonight, and this will help you to always remember what it truly means to give. And so we're going to start with the G, amen. G means to be, to be generous. Amen. Giving, otherwise, they, I can give, I can pull a dollar out of my pocket and say I gave. But biblical Christian giving is more than just tipping. It's more than tipping. You see, there's times that we can lie to ourselves and say, well, I'm a giver. And, I, I, and we all have a level. I want you to know everyone has a comfort level in your giving. I want you to think about this right now. If I said tonight, I want you to give a special offering, special offering, not your tithe, a special offering. I want you to, I want you to give. I want you to make a, a vow that this is how much you're going to give. We all have an amount that usually comes to our mind. That's our level. We all have a level. I remember... When I had, I had a, I love to give to missions. I've always, uh, one of the things that helped me to break the spirit of poverty was I started weekly giving to missions. And I've done this so much that even today in my church, every Wednesday night, we take a mission offering. Every Wednesday night, a mission offering. And we, then at the end of every month, we celebrate how much we gave. Right now, we're helping to support uh, Pastor Don Portnova, who's just starting a church in Belfast, Ireland. Amen? Amen. And we've helped the church in uh, 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 Costa Rica. We've helped the churches in Africa. We've helped churches in uh, uh, Canada. Uh, and, and it's just, I just know, hey, if I give, if I cast my bread upon many waters, it's going to come back. And I want you to know something. God wants your church to have so much money in its account, it has a sufficiency for everything. You see, we have this mentality, we, we should just have enough. No, we shouldn't just have enough. We shouldn't get to the end of every month and go, oh, thank God, we got to pay all the bills. How about having five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 extra in the account? Is that okay? That can happen. I want you to know right now, hey, you got to have faith for that. You know what? We're going to have extra so that when we say, hey, you know what? Uh, at the beginning of spring, we want to do a big outreach. We wanna, we're going to have something big. We're going to do some kind of event. You don't have to go, all right, we got all, let's start, you know, uh, counting our nickels and dimes. Let's see what we can come up with and see if we can do this. No, a pastor can just say, hey, we're doing it. All right, let's take the money now, the savings. We've already got money and savings preparing for a mission trip. Every month, we're putting money in there. Amen. We're, I, I, I know that, uh, that God is able to bless. Why? Because uh, we, when, you, when you give and you give, God knows how to give back. But we all have a level. And I remember the first time that I, 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 I was going, I, I'd been given for a long time in missions and I had this certain amount. We'll just say maybe it's $20. I'm going to give that every week. I give every, every week I give $20. 
And I remember I was in prayer one time, and God said, I want you to begin, make a one-year commitment to give to missions every week. And I said, okay, $20 a week, I'm going to do that. And so I'm praying, and I'm thought, yeah, okay, Lord, that's good, that's good. You know, and the Lord said, no, you know what, you should do more. Okay, 25 that's $100 a month, 25 That was my comfort level. I'm just going to tell you this, and 20, $25 wasn't the real amount. I won't tell you what the real amount was. Uh, could be less, could be more. But just for analogy, when it was all said and done, it was five times more. God kept saying, would you do this amount? Okay. All right. I f fear hit me. Ching, ching. I'm, you know, I'm figuring out <laughs> everything in my head. <laughs> you want me to give this amount? Let me see. All right. All right, God, I can do that, you know. And then he, then I'm praying a little bit, and I'm getting comfortable. I'm praying for it. My faith is building, and my faith is building. The Lord's building my faith. And then, you know, once my faith got built, he goes, would you do this amount? <laughs> Why is my brain working this way tonight? Man, I, you know, honestly, by the time I was done, about, uh, it took about 45 minutes, God got me up five times as much as it originally was. And I thought, God, that's a lot of money. That's more than my tithe. And he says, well, are you going to do it? And I made a commitment. I said, okay, God, I'll do it. And I had faith for it. I, got, I had to fight fear, though. I had to fight fear. I had to fight the withholder. I had to fight mammon. I had to fight all. And I didn't know I was fighting them all, but I'm fighting them. But I made a commitment. And I'm running a business. So I said, okay, starting on the first of the month, we're going to do this. I'm telling you, one week, two weeks before we started this, my business phone quit ringing. Nothing's going on. I'm like, hmm, what's going on? Ain't nothing happening. There's no money coming in. I'm spending my money that I had, and there's no more money coming in. I'm serious. The phone was dead. Anyone that ever happened to you? You make a commitment and promise, yeah, we're going to do this. And so... That was two weeks before. I'm thinking, well, you know, it's just an, uh, an anomaly. It's going to pick back up next week. It didn't. A week before we're starting to do this, still nothing. And finally, on that Wednesday, the Lord said, are you going to give? And I'm thinking, God, have you not noticed? There haven't been any work coming in. What do you mean am I going to give? And he said, are you going to give? And I said, and I, I can still remember standing there battling myself. That's going to be how much a month? Oh, my God, that's a lot a month. God, was, was I, I was just in a zealous state. I don't know what was going on in that prayer meeting. I was just too excited. I was, something wasn't right. But I can remember, I said, God, no matter what, you wouldn't have asked me to give that amount if the money wouldn't be there. For whatever reason, the devil is holding back the money to test me. It's like playing cards, and he said, all in. And you're thinking, if I go all in, I could lose my shirt. And that's where I was. The devil was bluffing, man. He said, all in, bro. Come on, you're gonna you're gonna be a big giver. Come on, you're gonna man, you're gonna give the missions all in. Let's see it. And I remember in prayer, and I just said, God, I'm gonna trust you. And I felt like Peter stepping out of the boat. And I wrote that check out that night, and I gave it. And I'm telling you, within two days, the floodgates broke. I had the biggest summer I ever had in my whole life. I made more money that summer than I'd ever made. It was like, whoa, I like this. But see, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be generous in your giving. God challenged me to be generous. The Bible says in the book, book of Proverbs, chapter 11, 25, the generous soul will be made rich. Amen, the generous soul. How about this in 2 Corinthians? Amen, I'm gonna read it out of the New Living Translation. In 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, he says, remember this, the farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
Verse 8, and God will generously provide all your need. I like that, amen? God says, be generous. If you want to view, give liberally or generously, you're going to get it back that way. And so giving, remember, the G always stands for generous. And one of the things you need to do is you're going to have to challenge your level of giving. Some people, their level's five. Some it's ten. Some it's twenty-five. Some it's fifty. Some it's a hundred. Some it's five hundred. Some it's a thousand. We all have different levels according to where we are financially. And I want you to know, if you're going to be a real giver, you're going to have to break the level. You got to break the level. You got to say, you know what? I can do more. I can, Lord, I got to break this and pray over your mind. God, help me to break this mentality. Help me, Lord, to learn to be generous, to be a liberal. And you may be saying, man, did Pastor get you to preach this? Because, you know, that, that way there'd just be more money coming in. No. I'm going to tell you why God had me preach this. He showed me this. He said, I have great things for this church to do. I have great things for this church to do that's going to take a lot of money. And if my people don't learn to be generous, we won't be able to do it until they do learn it. You can do what God's calling you to do this year or maybe two or three years down the road whenever you learn it. You know what some people think the answer is? Well, we'll get more money when we get more people. Yes, there's some truth to that. But how many believe that God can make give you wealth? That God can bless you? That God can increase you? Amen. And this is where you're in prayer and you just ask the Lord. I, it's a dangerous prayer, but it's a good one. Lord, you put the mount in my heart. You put the amount. I guarantee the devil won't put an amount in your heart that's bigger than your faith. The devil's not going to say, oh, you, th you said 25. 100! No, you say 25, the devil's going to say, 25, what's wrong with you? Do you know that's 25 a week, not a month? That's $100 a month. That's how the devil works. God, he'll give you an amount that you'll go, oh my goodness, Lord, really? And, and God's going to say, do you trust me? I'm going to tell you why we need to be givers, though. Because when we learn to be givers, there's the receiving part. There's a receiving that comes back. And it's a, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it will blow your mind. When 2008, when the economy crashed and things went bad, I'm telling you, that year of 2009, what happened in September of 2008, in 2009, I looked back and I had one of the best years ever when most air conditioning heating companies were going out of business. And it's because of giving. I've learned to be a giver. It wasn't easy. The second thing about giving is the I. Be intentional. Intentional. You've got to be an intentional giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, this is in the New Living Translation, it says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. You decide in your heart how much to give. Be intentional, not emotional, not by thought and feeling only. Amen. You know, well, what? I don't know, just, you know, just, you, you brought it on me. So I want you to think tonight. Tomorrow we're going to have an offering. Tomorrow night there's going to be an offering. Now I'm going to say something right now. Okay? I want tomorrow's offering to be for this church and not me. Okay? I don't, Pastor, you know, I, I'm not here for the money. Whatever come in for me is fine. But tomorrow's offering, I don't want it to be a special offering for me. I want it to be for this church, for a multiplication of finances, for something for y'all going to be doing this year. I want to believe God with you that you're going to have a $10,000 reserve for any good work that comes. Isn't that what the scripture says? God says, I'll give you all sufficiency in all things so that you'll have an abundance for every good work. Not getting by, not just having enough every month. Having extra. I know what I'm talking about because there's times uh, that we've had that money. We've had reserves, amen. And, 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 and it, it, it's great when you have reserves and you can say, you know what? Here's a need. Let's help this person. Here's a need. Let's be able to do this. Here's a need. Let's, let's do that. Amen. And not always have to come before the people and say, come on, we need, we need, we need. And everybody gives out of need. Bible says don't give out of necessity. Give, amen, out of a cheerful heart, amen. And it's because you intentional about it. You're saying, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Lord, show me what a generous offering is. Okay, that's generous. You're, you're really good at this, God, aren't you? And, and God said, yeah, I know, I know what generous is. And then you go, I'll be intentional. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give X amount a week or every paycheck or within the next 30 days. I want you, we're going to pray tonight that God would put an amount on your heart to give in this next 30-day period, starting tomorrow night's offering. Amen. And, and if you'll begin to do it, what will happen is this church will get such financial breakthrough, it will be a church of wealth. Amen. 
Did you know there was a church in the New Testament that did this? It was a church in Philippi. Philippi, you read the book of Philippians and you will find Paul says, no other church shared with me in giving and receiving except for you. You provided for me when I preached everywhere else. Only this church did that. And you know what he said? He spoke this in the book of Philippians, amen, to that church. Listen to what he said, Philippians 4, 15 through 19. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. He says uh, in verse 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now how, how many have ever claimed that scripture? Do you know that was written to a church that was a giving church and a giving people? Sometimes we claim scriptures that we really can't claim. Lord, you said you'd give back to me good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. Well, the Lord says, well, I can't do that until you give. Lord, you said that you'd open the windows of heaven and pour out such... No, 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 no. Go back. Bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. I prayed for people to be blessed, but they weren't tithers and givers, and they don't get blessed. But I've told the church, I said, listen, don't, you, don't, you can't claim promises if you're not doing what gives the result of the promise. And so I read that and I said, God, I do want you to supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. I want to give. I want to learn how to be a giver, to be a giver. Amen. And I want you to know that God will give back to you. He always gives more. God always gives more. Amen. I'm telling you, God knows how to give extra abundant money into your hands. And I didn't know. I'm telling you, I remember until I was 30 years old, I never made more than $15,000 a year. Never more than $15,000. On an average, it was $12,000. $250 a month until I was 30. And I remember I moved to Colorado Springs and my rent went from $250 a month to $850 a month. And I thought, God, how am I going to afford this? I can't, yeah. And I had a brother told me, Alan, don't worry. You, you, you can trust God. And that's where I began to learn how to be a giver. And God broke that thing in me. And God began to bless me. He blessed me. I remember when I didn't ever think I could own a house. God brought someone to me and said, you can buy a house. And I got a house. I remember I never thought I could own a business. And then God showed me, you can own a business. You see, I grew up in poverty. I didn't know how to do any of this. I wish I had people who would have taught me all these things, but it all came to me because of the Lord. Last two things. The V stands for vocal. If you're going to give, you've got to be vocal. Now, what that means is that you're not telling everybody what you're giving, but you're praying the blessing over your gift. When I give, I say, Lord, I'm giving this offering. Lord, you said, because I give, it shall be given back unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. We have men given to my bosom. Lord, you said, because I bring the tithe and offering into the storehouse, that there, Lord God, that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out for me such blessing, there's not enough room to contain it. Lord, you said, Lord God, that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Vocally claiming the word of God. Claim the word of God. Don't just give silently. Amen. Yes, we give silently so we're not bragging to the people. But God says, I watch to perform my word. Pray over that offering. Pray over that offering. Claim the blessing of God because there is, a with, there, is a, there is a devourer and a withholding spirit that will try to keep you from getting blessed. And too many times we just give and we just don't, well, we'll see. No, speak over your offerings. Speak the word of God over them. And last of all, the E stands for eager. How many have ever been eager for something? You know, that means excited. Woo, oh man, let's go. You know, me and my wife, we have date night on Friday night. I'm eager for date night. I am, man. I get excited. Hallelujah. Friday night, man, we're going on a date. We're going to go have some fun. We're going to, it's, I'm getting off work early. I do. I, I want to get off work early, man. Hallelujah. How many like to have fun? I like to have fun. Amen. And so I get eager for things. I don't really, I'm not real eager about going to work. But I'm eager, amen, to spend time with my wife and my kids. I, I, I'm eager to go to church on Sunday morning. I seriously, I, I learned how to be eager. I taught myself. I said, you know what? 
Quit looking at all the work that you got to do. Man, you got to go worship the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Let's be eager about that. Amen. Let's rejoice when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12 says it this way. He says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So God's not asking you to give what you don't have, but what you do have. Give according to what you have. One person can give $10, another can give $100, but the person who gave 10 gave more. Because they had less. And church, I want you to know, give. Give. Learn to be a giver. And you'll see some breakthrough. I'm telling you financial breakthroughs. I'm going to close and ask this. How many of you really would be honest say, I need a financial breakthrough? Raise your hands. You really need a financial breakthrough. Maybe it's a job, a promotion. You need something. God says, you're my children, and I want you to be blessed. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's bow our heads in prayer.